Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Jules and Jim's Joyride 2021. New season, new ideas, new guests, same old shit. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's guests who are often seen riding tandem on a bicycle, singing in harmony, yes. scratching each other's backs, because yes. it's the first time, Jules, isn't it, that we've got... A Mr. and Mrs. on. It's a, it's a pod first. It's a pod first. It's Sanjeev Baskar and Mira Sayal. Yes. Mr. and Mrs. Hey. Yes. Thank you very Fantastic. much. Fantastic. It's a f- wonderful to have you both here. Both extraordinarily talented in your own right. Writers, producers, actors. I mean, to have all of this and to have both of you here is indeed a great moment. First of all, are you keen on transport and, and, and travelling around? I love travelling. Oh. Transport, not so hot on. I'd in, I don't know much about... Any anything mechanical, so don't ask me about car makes or no, no well, anything like that. But I do like to get in things and travel for sure. Uh, where, where have you been then? Yes, where haven't we been? Been all over. What makes it all right? So let's 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 make a fine tune of this question. Where have you been in the last year? Where have you been in the last week? Oh, that's a trick question. It's uh, a trick question. It's a trick question, Mira. Don't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's the driver? <laughs> don't answer that. It's a trick question. <laughs> trying to trap us. I know, I can feel it. In the last year, we haven't been anywhere. No, not uh, so. But um, before that, Italy probably was the last place we went to. Whereabouts? I want to go to Garda. Oh, ah, my God. That's on my list. To the lake. Yeah. 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 Not the Irish police. <laughs> no, no. I want Every- to go to Garda with the Garda. <laughs> Have you noticed, because of his recent role, how Sanjeev's each question is either being very cautiously about people trying to trap you with yeah. questions, answers, yes. or everything reverts to a police sort of thing? Is it, has it affected you a lot by playing a policeman all the time? I mean, thank- do, you, do you have a policeman's mind now? Yeah, a little bit does seep in. Do you get to drive in a cop car? Not a very nice one, because that's the one thing you kind of... I mean, I do love cars. I always have done. But no, I get to drive a very ordinary car. Because you kind of look at other, you know, cop shows and, and films and you want to end up driving a, you know, an Aston Martin DB5 or a Batmobile. Once I hired a, a, an American cop car for my wife's birthday to take us to a restaurant. And he said, the person who owned the company said, they'll come to the outside of your house, the sirens will go off and then a voice will come over the town and say, Nancy, you've been arrested. Come out of the house with your hands up. And so I said, he's out there now. So I went out. I said, are you going to do it? He went, no, I'm too shy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in the wrong job here then, aren't you? When I, I remember playing copper, I've played coppers a few times, but you get a real different approach by other people when you're, if you're in uniform. Shopkeepers want to give you stuff for free. People either give you a look of of disdain or doff the caps. And, um, Did you, you find that, Sanji? 
No, because I'm always plain clothes, so I just look like, you know, me. Um, and so nobody wants to give me No, anything, I suppose but, that's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> except, except information, perhaps. Well, you know, if I, if I, if I kind of uh, plumb them for it. Mm. Is that the right term? No, you pump them for information. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Plumb them. I plumb them. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> that's the last thing they're yeah. expecting. That's what you've been yeah. doing wrong, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, figuratively good. around the U-bend. So returning to the transport, you said you've both been to Italy. What do you like to do when you go on, you know, because you're both very busy. So when you go on holiday, when you, when you travel, do you travel to do work when you're away or do you travel just to go and see the sights? It has to be absolute relaxation, doesn't well, it? Well, you can't switch your creative brain off. So even when you're away, you're, you're filing away things. But it, I know that we don't want to just have a beach holiday where you do nothing. You know, mm. that can be a couple of days, but you want to see stuff. So Italy's great for that because there's... It's great everything. For every kind of 100 yards, there's a kind of loop of... Oh, look, that's really interesting. Gosh, that's really old. That's really beautiful. Look, there's somewhere to eat. Yes, and, and, that's there's, just and there's, some, there's some lovely spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I remember we went to Memphis, and he's a big Elvis fan, So, and there was lots to cover there with, with Graceland and Sun Studios. But um, they also had the, uh, the best museum I've ever been to, which is the Museum of Civil Rights, which is built on the back of the uh, Lorraine Motel where Martin Luther King was assassinated and they've kind of built it sort of behind that. So that was perfect because it's, first of all, you have the music, all the blues that was down the the street that you could listen to, which was incredibly relaxing. But then you had all these interesting things to, and that all feeds in. At some point, that will come out somewhere in your work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Have you, you you haven't written though something about Memphis or anything yet, have you? Not yet. Oh, oh, interesting bit of promise there. Yeah. But Elvis was a person known for his cars, wasn't he? Let's face it. I mean, he mm. had some. He had some pretty extraordinary cars. Didn't he sort of have a new Cadillac every year? Was that his sort of thing? Did he um, have a car made in the shape of a guitar? Was it a swimming pool? Was it a swimming pool? Or was it a speedboat? Or when was it a swimming pool? You could have a piano shaped one. Well, that Liberace had one of those. Did he? A yes. car in the shape of a piano? No, no, no. He had a piano shaped. Shape swimming pool. Well, I think it's about time people had cars yeah. built in the shape. I think it's the future. You could have one. I mean, if you had a vehicle in the shape of, you know, as, as a writer, producer, and actor, what would your vehicle be? How would you make it up? A giant pen, perhaps? <laughs> a laptop. <laughs> yeah, that's so, that's so boring, isn't it? It is, really. A laptop on wheels. A quill would be so much better. Yeah. A, qu- yeah. Yeah, a quill would be good. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a ship, actually. That's a boat, isn't it? Because the feather it's, would be the same. Yes. Mm. It's also classy. It says. It says history yeah. and it's wisdom. drawing attention to yourself. Yes, yes. <laughs> I want, Did you go to Elvis's where he was born in Tupelo? I haven't been to Tupelo. No. Yeah, that shotgun shack. Yes, you can go in it, but that's rather good because it represents a journey that was his. You know, as you can see, this tiny little shack that he was born in, mm-hmm. and the old lady who was a fan of his, who was there showing us around, said, "Yeah, and Elvis used to come back here with Priscilla." drive back from Memphis on a, on a Sunday afternoon in one of the Cadillacs and look at this and then go back away again. Mm. Was it a tiny shack? Two-room shack. Two-room country shack with hardly anything in it, you know. I've Very. seen Dylan Thomas's shed in Wales where he wrote his poems. On the, have you been there? No, that sounds good. I think, as far as I remember, it's on the cliff edge. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I digress. Samuel Beckett could only write facing a brick wall. Could he? Is that right? Yeah. I think either his study was one window with a brick wall directly outside or it was just all brick walls with a door behind it. Is that because he found it too diverting? Yeah. And when you write, where do you write? 
in my study, which of course is just a glorified word for the bedroom that's become a study. But yes, we both have separate workspaces. So. And do you and do you find it? I mean, if you're writing, you're going on a journey that you're inventing in your mind, yes. aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you find it helps to be able to look out the window? I mean, what's the view out of your window when you're going on your writing your journeys? A very nice little balcony, which we've sort of made with, you know, a little table out there and then the garden. So that is quite nice. Um, but I've got loads of, you know, it's very teenager, but I've just got loads of pictures up that just make me feel creative or happy. So What, posters? Yeah, and pe- postcards of my favourite paintings or just you know, letters that... Backstreet Boys and that sort of thing. Yeah. Obviously... A, <laughs> then and now. Obviously a life-size <laughs> model of Sanjeev, which I occasionally... No, that's me. Look to for inspiration. <laughs> oh, a life-size that? model. Oh, yeah. That's just right. stood in the corner. <laughs> With a Wait, cup of tea. Waiting to be told what to do. <laughs> um, but I think it's different for everybody. But, um, yeah, I know some people can't stand the distraction of anything. They just need complete... Uh, complete blank. Some people have to listen to music. I, I can't. I can't listen to music and write. I find that no, I would way that, too distracting. That would, I would think that would be impossible. It's too much to a distraction. Much. If I'm painting, if I'm, I will select the music to accompany whatever I'm doing. If yeah. I'm doing something calming, I'll have on a, a drone, something that's quite droney, or I might want to put some jazz on. Some like I go freeform with a bebop. Oh. Uh. Yeah, you see that now having you know uh, follow and do am following your paintings that are, and pictures that you're putting on Instagram. I'm now kind of working through which pieces of music you've had for which one. <laughs> yeah, but Very it's good true because there were lovely birds for a while. Well, that yeah, and yeah, if, that, that calming. That, actually, if I'm doing them, I have nothing on at all. Oh, because okay. that's a separate. That's not in my studio. That's a separate. That's music, studio. not clothes, right? Are we to, are we a, switch? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing on at all. 
there was a certain optimism within that impracticality that I really like. Yes, I agree with you. I think you were very optimistic. Sort of, but it's interesting. People generally like childhood luxury items that they see as uh, in their childhood. You know, and it stays in your mind. Although, of course, everything moves on. That thing stays as the as the great uh, dramatic thing. I'm just wondering why. You know, boys do seem to latch onto transport well, really early on, yeah. and and, and my, silly girls of my generation didn't. It could be, you know, conditioning Is it going right or just back to like you know um, hunter gatherers, and the men have to go off with so something in their easy, cars with something for an easy way to get out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in their Ford Anglias, off they go. Off they go, Spears. Although, <laughs> weirdly, I can remember the registrations of lots of my parents' early cars. Me like, too. Their first Mini was FRE 122E, and I still remember it. That's a good number plate to have. Mira certainly has a fear of one particular type of vehicle, which... Which one? I don't know, Teddy Bear's Picnic? Does that kind of... <laughs> that oh, God, yes, that story, yes. Well, I um, I was really bad at maths. This is going somewhere. Uh, failed it every single year and then got to the horrible realisation in them days, if you didn't get an all-level maths, you actually couldn't go on to do your A-levels. It's quite a big deal. So my mum and dad hauled in a maths tutor. Now, I put inverted commas around that. He was a friend of theirs who was a maths graduate. But, of course, being an immigrant, he couldn't get a job being a maths graduate. So he was, in fact, an ice cream man. <laughs> And he would turn up for my weekly tutoring sessions in the ice cream van with his chimes on and park on the drive (laughs) and um, bring us partly thawed cheap ice cream that we put in the freezer as a treat. So you you take it, really. It's my, my gift. But it had this weird effect on me. So every time I now hear the teddy bear's picnic, I get the algebra sweat (laughs) because I feel like the maths tutor's coming. And it's really stuck in my mind. Did, could he not turn it off? He just, or was it just an announcement that he was arriving? I think he was drumming for business. You know. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. I but may just, look like a humble ice cream man, but actually, I'm really bloody good at algebra. Yeah, I'm it, putting the chimes on. Anybody else in the street needs a. Here's, exactly, here's the chime. Exactly. Exactly. My uh, a trumpet player, what's it called? John Scott, he told me that when he was a little boy and they heard the chimes of the ice cream van, his dad would say, Oh, yeah, they're, that's, they're, they're bringing those because they've sold out. <laughs> that from a, that's These, cruel, isn't I it? There was a there was a, a Mr. Whippy copyist in Greenwich called Mr. Wipey. That's right, I remember him. That's <laughs> right. Remember him, Mr. Wipey. Wipey. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Wipey, and he had a yeah. I exactly. don't like the sound of that. No, no, would, would you? No. What was his other skill? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But go, going back to your trip to Memphis, do you bring things back from your holidays? Is that are you are you souvenirists? Yes. I think we are little souvenirs, yeah. I can't stop so, always buying bits. What do you? What did you get? What did you bring back from Memphis? <laughs> um, we brought back some fabulous um, sauces, didn't we, from Memphis? Yeah, that's the great thing about mm-hmm. one of the many great things about travel is kind of uh, just eating the local food and uh, and then picking up their spices and bringing them back. So yeah, there was some salt seasoning. I remember there was when we were leaving at Memphis Airport. It was in my bag, and um, and the the guy who opened it was checking the bag. Just looked at me, and went. Soul seasoning. <laughs> it was kind of like, I I, am I supposed to repeat it? Is this a repeat thing? I don't know what, I don't know what the rules are now. And I just said, yes. And he said, yeah, soul seasoning. Actually, okay. it's got you into trouble, your, your, your food imports and exports. You remember your Marmite story? Oh, flipping out. That was, yeah. that was quite hairy. I was filming in India and someone had said, if you kind of have a spoon of Marmite every day, it kind of keeps the mosquitoes at bay. What was that true? 
I believe it is because I think it's the yeast in it because it comes right. out in your pores and, and they, don't you know, like. they don't like it. Um, well, they can either take it or leave it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I had a little pot of Marmite that was in my carry-on bag and I got pulled aside at um, Mumbai Airport with this kind of guy with epaulettes with, with stars on it and uh, um, it's quite senior and he kind of pointed at this pot and he said, what is this? And I said, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, it's, it's Marmite. Um, you put it on toast. Uh, and he looked at me really suspiciously and he said, eat it then. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to kind of like go, look, it's got, and he still kind of went, what are you, I just smelt it. And that was nothing edible <laughs> at all. Um, so I was lucky to get away with that. So I said, you, you can throw it away if you want. So you did eat a morsel of it, did you, in front of him? I had to, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I've yeah. often thought about with those things that they, that they take off and throw them in a bin round the back, I expect they all go around out at the end of the day and have a fish around and bring do. out bottles of whiskey and honey yeah. and stuff, don't they? For sure. Yeah, yeah. They must do. They don't mm. throw it away. How about boats? Do you ever go on a cruise or anything like that? Are you a boatist at all? Oh, I love being on the water. It's my favourite thing. Favourite thing. I actually did, I went on a cruise, it was the last bit of travel I did before lockdown, but that was for um, a travel show. I can take or leave cruising, it's fine when you're being treated and you're in the luxury cabin, but and we hit two days of terrible weather, and then it's just not so much fun, because you are stuck on a floating prison with a lot of people being sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's I not did the a great... documentary up the Bristol Channel, and I was there for about two weeks, and the most awful rainstorms when the rain was that horizontal mm. and I made the mistake of wearing a big leather coat it was a second world war leather coat actually it was and it was solid it weighed a ton and then as soon as it got rained on it was about 10 times heavier so it was actually wear, like wearing a house <laughs> <laughs> and I spent two weeks Oh this, no, like, squeaking. Awful... But, but you squeaked you... as well, didn't you? What kind of yeah. uh, boat were you in? It was small. It was about, uh, I would say, about 40 foot. It was like a small version of a ship. But, you know, I was stood on the back of it. Isn't that just a description of a boat? Yeah, it was, yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a big ship. It, was, it wasn't a small boat. It was somewhere in between. <laughs> Now, I have never been to India, but one of the things that I'm told, one of the things that makes me want to go there, are the railways. Yeah, I mean, particularly going up into uh, the mountains. There are kind of, because there are smaller gauge railways. There's a smaller gauge railway that takes you up to uh, Shimla, which was the summer capital during the days of the Raj. And there's a small gauge railway that takes you up to Darjeeling as well. And those are just stunning journeys. I mean, they're kind of slow, but... You feel like you're on a toy train because of the size of it, but what you see out the window is, is extraordinary. I mean, the, the big train journeys across India are, are pretty much like big train journeys anywhere. You know, they're, they're fast and sleek, and it's like you're inside a you know uh, an aeroplane, really, in terms of the way the seats are laid out. But those older trains, the smaller gauge ones haven't been updated, so a lot of them are steam trains mm. um, oh, as well. Mm. And, it's, and that's wonderful, actually. You get that mm. sense of history that and also just the artistry of creating railways and carriages and you know it's it it all feels very tangible in a way mm. that um you know modern electric trains you know can't really so you don't you can't see any of the mechanics on an electric yeah. train yeah. but on those steam trains it's it's like a living 
breathing beast at the at the front with wooden carriages that have been made by human yeah. hand. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Still Lovely. a lot of that old style glamour. It's mm. very, very. Do you like travelling? Have you ever done the Orient Express or anything like that? Do you know that's what I we've always talked about that. We'd love to do the Orient Express to Venice. Increasingly, as, as you, maybe it's a thing that happens when you get older, but you you begin to think, you know, there's so much more of the world I haven't seen. But also, I've got to cram it yeah, in now. But also, yeah. even you know, uh, that's kind of physical travel. But the thing that I've always thought is, the, you know, when I was a kid, and when we were all kids, if you wanted to know something, a fact, you know, you had to ask someone, and if they didn't know, you had to go to the library. And if you went to the library and the book wasn't there, you had to ask the librarian if the, if the book was coming back or whether there was there was a physical journey to that you had to take that, for, for discovery for discovering anything. Mm. Whereas now you mm. can just do it. Well, yeah. On your yeah, phone. yeah, that's right. When I wanted to learn about boogie woogie piano, I got on the the fifty three bus with a bus pass, age sort of ten. Um, went to Soho in my little age shorts. Ten, yes, went to, yeah, yeah. In those days, people didn't they skipped past the doorways of Beckoning Sin, and um, <laughs> uh, and went into Dobell's little record shop, as it was then, jazz record shop, and they gave me and you and I and in the booth listened to through to lots of records. I remember when I was. 10, no, I was a bit older, I was probably 12. I was obsessed, and probably still am, with shoes. But I'd seen a pair of desert boots, which I really liked the look of, and it was about 15 miles away. So on, one, And I didn't dare tell anyone, because it was so sad. I went and got on a bus and went the 15 miles just to, on a Sunday to look through the window at them. Oh, that is... <laughs> that is- Sad, but yeah. it's all and, it and, sad, and lovely it? too. Yeah, yeah, mainly sad. Yeah, <laughs> also lovely in that order. But I think that's a really good point, though. I think we're, we're all from the generation where we were pretty much left to our own devices a lot of the time as kids. I mean, I grew up in the country, in a little village, and I would, from the age of about eight, I'd leave the house on my bike in the holidays, and my mum would have to come and call for me in the fields when it started getting dark. So hold on, and I was just left to my own devices yeah, really. but, but and there were several times I probably could have drowned or, or I fell out of trees or did things I shouldn't have done but there was no one policing me and actually it gives you this incredible sense of independence kind of all sense of freedom of discovery of curiosity of self-reliance and confidence now look at how cosseted our kids are how much we worry about them going places on their own or that they don't have that and freedom it was just a fantastic childhood really mm. and uh Obviously, I got into quite tricky, risky scrapes, but I learnt also to get out of them. Mm. And that's probably what our kids are missing out on. And and to learn how to avoid getting into them, perhaps. Exactly. You get very street smart. We interrupt this to bring you a message from our sponsors. Hey, Jules. Yes? If you were involved in a car crash that left you and your passengers stranded on the hard shoulder of the A1 for over six hours... Would you make the awful decision to eat one of your (laughs) tyres? I'm afraid I would, but only if they were Michelin standard. As the world slowly goes back to normality, where are you looking forward to going to? What sort of of place are you you in? what, What journeys are you most looking forward to? Well, I mean, you kind of realise it's such a privilege to to go anywhere. But I mean, Italy's always one to go to. India, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, it just it, to cut back to you, you know, transport being the theme. The the most incredible vehicle I've ever been on was in India. Uh, What's that? It's an elephant. Of course, the four by four of the forest. It was described okay. to me as. 
Tell us about the elephant in your transport there. Well, I did a documentary which was looking for tigers in the wild. And uh, and that was the only way you could get into the thickest part of the the jungles and the forest was, was, were on elephants. I mean, you know, there's, there's, I understand that debate about, you know, elephants should be free and wild. Uh, and I kind of largely agree with that. I don't think animals should be treated cruelly at all. But then horses are kind of used for transport and riding on, so I wasn't quite sure what the difference there was. But nevertheless, the experience of being on an elephant, it's you're kind of, whatever, 12 feet up anyway. And they can go places that vehicles can't. So it was, and in the end, we kind of did see a tiger, which was probably less than about 15 feet. And you're high up, so you kind of feel safe. You do, yeah. Although <laughs> so it, a tiger's not going to go for an elephant, is it? It's unlikely. I mean, the, the elephant that we had had a, a few scars where I think it had been attacked by a leopard. Uh, but um, the, no, the tiger was just doing its own thing. Because I've been on an elephant, and you do feel very, they're very sure-footed, aren't they? Yeah. You know, I, I went through a river on one, and I, I thought, this is just like, it's just knows exactly what it's doing. I'm going to leave it be. The forklift of the natural world. But it was it's an extraordinary experience, because, uh, as you were saying, Jim, you know, the, the sure-footedness makes you feel quite secure, although initially it does sway yeah. uh, from yeah, side to yeah. side, which makes you kind of go, oh, I'm going off. No, I'm not. Um, but yeah, it's just extraordinary to be in the in the depth of that much kind of dense jungle uh, as well, and and to keep moving. I think it'd be good to have an elephant around London. I think it'd be really useful. Oh, it'd be fabulous! Wouldn't it? It'd be great. You'd be above the traffic, lovely views of everything. No traffic jams. Just keep walking. Just walk over the cars. <laughs> <laughs> or you can have a car decorated in the shape of an elephant. Yes. Get a driver, and then you just sit on the top. Oh, you know, you waving go. to people in a kind of royal way. Yeah, that's a very nice thought. Thank you. <laughs> Until you get arrested. Can I nominate my fa- my favourite transport? Then yes, is a wild dolphin. Have you been on have a wild? Yeah. Yes. No. I have swam with Fungi, the wild dolphin, in Dingle Bay many, many years ago, about <laughs> twenty-five years ago. No. So I was obsessed with dolphins, and I knew that there was a wild one in in Dingle. Where's Dingle? Dingle is in Southern Ireland, and it's where they filmed Ryan's Daughter, that amazing... Oh, right, yeah. It's beautiful. Um, and I did like the idea of swimming with captive dolphins, so I went where the wild dolphin was, and um, foolishly, just no wetsuit, nothing, sat on the shoreline thinking, well, I'm sure the dolphin will come along. Little man chugged by in his boat. It turned out to be the local marine biologist called Kevin, and said, what are you doing? I said, I want to swim with a dolphin. He said, well, you'll need a wetsuit. But also the dolphin knows my outboard motor. So if you get on here with me, he'll probably turn up. And he did. Oh, this is unbelievable. And I got in the water. It's bloody freezing. But I had Kevin let me a wetsuit. I know it still seems mythical when I... And um, I played with Fungi in the water for an hour. And he let me hold on to his back fin and pulled me along. Did he? Out for how far? 20 miles. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Uh, yeah, you can let me go now, Fungi. <laughs> An absolutely extraordinary experience. But was it, but first of all, I wonder if because you were thinking about longing to swim with the dolphin, longing. Yes. That, do you think that thought went out and sort of went out, had had reached him? I kind of do. I know it sounds a bit hippy dippy, but honestly, when you get into the water with an animal. I mean, specifically a dolphin, who are so incredibly intuitive and intelligent and you are in their territory and they're much more comfortable and yet they accommodate you because dolphins are one of the few animals that 
like humans, play for fun and are sociable for fun um, and are curious for fun. They have a, a, an absolute sense of the joy of um, finding out stuff. And that extends to people. And so he, he played tag with me. It was oh. really quite incredible. He'd come up behind me and nose me, bump me, and then swim off again. I mean, of course, I couldn't keep up, so I'd swim a bit further, and then he'd come up behind me and nudge me again. And I said to Kevin, does, does he normally do this? And he went, yeah, with the people he knows. He said he's so many people come and try and see him, um, and he gets put off because there are just too many boats in the bay. But because Kevin had been studying him and he knew his the sound of his boat, he came. So I feel... So blessed that I had that experience. And you got the dolphin tick of approval. I got the dolphin tick of approval. But it sounds to me like he was just showing off a bit. Look, I can swim right. Yeah. Yeah. Have a look at this. Oh, can't keep up. Oh, just do it again, shall yeah. we? God, yeah. How fantastic. And you felt like you communicated with him. Totally. It felt like a It really did feel like a spiritual experience. And I think you're right. That was, you know, young and naive and totally in love with, you know, wildlife and particularly dolphins. And uh, I think that utter sort of just that desire I had to, to have to have that experience somehow brought him along. So, yeah. Or he got the letter. Oh, that'll be it, won't yeah, it? Yeah, the fan letter that you wrote. No, his agent did actually say that he was he had a window that <laughs> afternoon, so <laughs> that's probably what it was. But anyway, yeah, it, and I'd forgotten about it. But, of course, if you can nominate Elephant as transport, then I feel I could nominate Fungi the Dolphin as transport. And so. that's wonderful because that is, without question, an absolute transport first for us. <laughs> um, he'd never, you never thought about... I mean, the thing about visiting a, do, a, a dolphin in swimming with it, which is so fantastic and, and very calming for both of you, mm. that you, of course, can go and swim with the dolphin, but later on, it's not like you can have him round. No, exactly. Um, and, and cycle in your village with you because he, he, can't, he just can't do that. He just can't do that. You could nudge him and say, look, oh, keep up with this. <laughs> As he yeah. flip-flaps on the yeah. ground, not being able to move. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for your attention and your time. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone involved in the whole project, Sanjeev. <laughs> And Mira, thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you what a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, there goes Mira and Sanjeev yes. travelling home. She on a dolphin. Yes, and he beautifully riding an elephant. <laughs> what an image. How does she get that dolphin to travel on land? We'll never know. <laughs> This podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. Sound engineers were James Stewart and George Latham. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. <laughs>